Welcome to Muddy River News This Week. I'm David Adam. I'm the editor here at Muddy River News, and I'm pinch hitting for Bob Goff. And joining me today is Rachel Bringer Shepard. She is, has had a long history of serving the people of Northeast Missouri. Now, I have to cheat from my notes here because I don't have all this committed to memory. State representative in the 6th Legislative District from 2003 and two, to 2010. Uh, most recently, she's been the presiding judge, uh, the cir presiding circuit judge in the 10th Judicial Circuit, which serves Marion, uh, Monroe, and Rawls counties for the past 14 years. Thanks for coming over and, and visiting. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, First, um, what I didn't tell people in that little biography is Rachel announced on January 1st that you're not going to run for uh, re-election as the uh, presiding circuit judge. Why not run again? I've been so thankful to serve for 22 years in an elected office, and I have a lot of irons in the fire, and um, just time for some new chapters, So, but I've been so thankful to get to do it for 22 years. All right, so in, in the press release that you said and I'm going to quote, this is her quote, I look forward to serving my family, the community, the judiciary, and the legal profession in different ways in the years to come. What different ways? And especially, you know, the family and the community we can get to at the end, but how will you serve the judiciary and the legal profession differently in the coming? Have you made that decision? Like I said, I have some irons in the fire. Some I can't maybe talk about, okay. but... Um, but certainly, I've, I've certainly watched other judges who have who've moved on from actively sitting on the bench um, as a circuit judge and some of the different things that they've been able to do to may, help. May I ask, what are some of those examples that you're talking about? Um, I've seen everything from a retired judge uh, uh, helping out with some guardian ad litem work, mm -hmm. um, which is, is always appreciate their experience with right. when they were willing to do that, um, as well as just helping other lawyers with maybe some of their cases and, and giving them some some maybe insight from their experiences um, to moving on to other type of judicial positions. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, there's many opportunities to serve and I, I look forward to, to that. Right, now, Rachel is a Palmyra High School graduate. Yes. And uh, I won't say what year it was. I wouldn't, I don't want to, you know, well, we don't want to okay. date ourselves. 1989. Oh, there you go. I'm a 1983 graduate, okay. so we're not too far apart. Uh, not of Palmyra High School, however. Uh, and you received your Juris Doctor from the University of Missouri, Columbia in 95. What made you decide to pursue a career in law? When I was in elementary school, I had a chance to read the book To Kill a Mockingbird by okay. Harper Lee. Mm -hmm. And I was so uh, admiring of Atticus Finch, who uh, was such a scholar um, but also really helping in the community in a way that was not popular at the time, but it was the right, he was doing the right thing mm -hmm. and pursuing the right thing. And so I admired that greatly and, and thought maybe that would be something I could do in terms of becoming an attorney. And, and he also served in the state legislature uh, in that book. Mm -hmm. And so I just always really loved that book and the example of service that Atticus Finch had. Did you have any other family members who were also involved in the in, in, in the judicial process or are you the first member of your family to, to go through to you know become a, a, an attorney and a judge and all of that stuff um, I, I believe I was the, f the first one to, to have the opportunity to do that although my grandfather um, many years ago was on the Lewis County School Board and ran for County Commission in Lewis County so giving you the example of service to the community sure um, so you were you know young attorney you're starting your pro your practice, got your degree, you're kind of rolling, and all of a sudden, 
right turn, you become a state representative. Talk about how, how that happened and why that happened. John Yancey, I'll, I'll start with him. He approached me about running um, and thought that uh, legal experience that, that I'd had as an attorney as well as an assistant prosecutor, because that's what I was doing at that mm -hmm. time, was serving part-time as that. He thought that would be helpful uh, in the legislature to have that experience in order to effectively represent Northeast Missouri. And so he approached me with that idea. I had not really thought about it until he mentioned it. I can right. still vividly remember that conversation. <laughs> and and I was so thankful to get to do it and, and to run and uh, experience, you know, part of campaigning was going door to door. I got to meet so many people in Marion and Rawls counties, mm -hmm. attend so many different events I probably wouldn't have attended otherwise, attend so many churches I wouldn't have had a chance to attend otherwise. And so it was just a great deal of fun campaigning. My family was so much help to me. My dad, mom, we're out there campaigning right alongside of me, <laughs> and we just had a great summer, and it was a great experience. Did you find that your experience with the law helped you as a, as a state rep? Absolutely. In what ways? Um, so as an attorney, uh, you know, just being used to reading the legislative language mm -hmm. and understanding how some vague language could be misinterpreted or interpreted more broadly than it was intended, and trying to be a help in the legislature with that. Um, also being very comfortable with the rules. We have rules in court that we follow a whole book of rules. Um, and so there's legislative rules to pass legislation and, and being very comfortable with that, being able to help other members pass their amendments or offer their mm -hmm. amendments. Um, so that was very helpful. And, and then also just working with attorneys um, on both sides of the aisle, the Republicans and Democrat attorneys, we often work together on legislation, and then also working with attorneys over in the Senate, Republicans and Democrats, um, just trying to move things forward that would be beneficial uh, to Northeast Missouri and to the whole state. So you returned to the bench after essentially two terms in, as a state representative, right? Well, they were four two-year terms. Okay, I'm sorry, four mm -hmm. two-year. Okay, so, so you missed, nonetheless, eight years. Correct. And, and that sort of tends to be... I know there are a lot of people who go, that's a good time to go, I've served my time with the state and state office, now it's time to let somebody else do it. Talk about the return to the bench in 2010. I mean, you could have done a, a bunch of different things. Why go, go back to what you're familiar with, I guess? Well, it was, it was such a, a great opportunity. I was so honored to be considered to get to do it and, and trying to help uh, our courts uh, in, in Northeast Missouri be very effective, be fair, and be perceived as fair. That was certainly uh, something I wanted to be a part of and, and try to help with. A lot of people, they see the word judge, and they, they think of the guy with the gavel at the, at the bench, you know, pounding away during a trial. But you're the circuit judge. For those who are watching this, talk about the differences and the responsibilities that you have as a circuit judge as just to a I don't want to say some regular old judge because that's not, not that it doesn't that would uh, almost demean the the position of judge. But what do you do as the circuit judge that people may not necessarily know? So as presiding circuit judge, I serve as you mentioned in the three counties: Marion, Rawls, mm -hmm. and Monroe County. There are certain cases that are automatically coming to the circuit judge. Um, for example, circuit felony cases. If if someone's charged with a crime where the possible punishment is time in the Department of Corrections, that's mm -hmm. considered a felony. So once those make it through the associate division, those cases come into circuit court. Um, and then types of damage lawsuits, if the damage is alleged or over a certain amount, those come into circuit court. Mm -hmm. um, 
the other piece of that is administrative, um, trying to, again, make sure our courts are, are fair, that they're perceived as fair, and what policies and procedures can we put in place circuit-wide to help with that. Um, also help administer the juvenile office on, on the administrative side uh, to make sure that our juvenile cases are, are moving appropriately mm -hmm. and, and, and in the correct way. How much of your time is spent administratively as opposed to actually at the bench or, you know? It, it ebbs and flows depending on okay. what issues are. Um, sometimes it, it, it feels like <laughs> maybe 60 or 70 percent sure. when there's maybe certain things going on that we really need to address very quickly. Um, and then other times it's, it's much less than that. Okay. Now, I, in your bio, you had written that you had uh, uh, provide, pr 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 uh, you had, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, pro, uh, when you looked over the trial, you were in charge of the trial. You, uh, presiding? Presiding. I, 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 I mistyped my, my, my notes here and I, and I got it wrong. Anyway, you had over 50 jury trials in the last 14 years and you uh, also accepted more than a thousand guilty pleas uh, in, in criminal cases. Is there, when you talk to people out in the community, uh, are, are there things about what you do or things about the law or things that happen in your courtroom that you wish people understood better about your job and life in the courtroom? Um, I think to the extent, again, that we're, we're always trying to, or I'm always trying to make sure that court is moving along in a fair way, that voices are being heard, um, and that, that there's a perception also that that's happening. So that someone who's coming in the courtroom and watching, I hope they're able to see mm -hmm. um, individuals are getting time for their issues to be considered in a fair way. Because... Of course, I'm in court all the time, and, and as you mentioned, there's there's many, many cases. But for those individuals, that's their case, and it affects their entire life. Sometimes it can affect their life forever. Um, and so whether it's a domestic case involving maybe child custody or some financial matters, whether it's a damage case where someone's been injured, or whether it's a criminal case where someone's freedom's at stake or a victim is also being very impacted, um, I think just trying to constantly keep at the front of everyone's mind who's participating in that court proceeding this is this person's life it's not just a case number it's not just this is the third case we're doing today but just constantly trying to remember these are individuals who are having significant issues that brought them to court um, is it possible to compare and contrast your time as a state rep to your time as the presiding circuit judge. How are they similar and how are they different? I think serving as state representative was tremendous preparation for becoming circuit judge, uh, starting maybe with the budget process and understanding how the, the money flows to fund the courts as well as our court partners where mm -hmm. we provide services to individuals coming through the court process and, and what are the limitations of those budgets but also what are some of the services available through our Missouri budget that we need to be partnering with to help people have good outcomes. Um, also, again, just this idea of partnering. As state rep, you partner with all kinds of people to try to move things forward, right? Agencies, mm -hmm. not-for-profits. And so, again, trying to do that within our court system. Uh, I think we, uh, in the Tenth Circuit, try to partner with, we partner with churches, we partner with sober resources, mental health resources, children's resources, mm -hmm. the schools, the list goes on and on and on. But always trying to keep that at the forefront of thinking of our minds, of thinking, are there other partners we could be engaging 
again so people can have better outcomes. Um, during the last trial that I covered over in, in Rawls County, uh, at the end of the trial, uh, as you were sending the, the jury home, you also gave everybody cookies. And that's, I believe, is kind of a staple in when, when you have jury trials. Am I right? Absolutely. Why cookies? <laughs> so growing up, my, uh, I stayed a lot with my grandmother mm -hmm. and my uncle uh, farmed. And so every mid-morning, she would take some cookies to my uncle and everyone that was helping him farm for a morning cookie break to just make the day go a little uh -huh. sweeter and better. <laughs> and as I took the bench, jury trials can, can be long. Yep. The issues are very difficult. And I thought it was nice while we were having some breaks to talk about some legal issues with the lawyers um, that the jury could have some snacks. And I, I enjoy baking cookies. And my mother has been a tremendous help. She bakes a lot of those cookies uh -huh. too. And so that's correct. At jury trials every day, we have some cookie breaks um, and, I think and it, other I mean, snacks. It's, it, it's, I mean, it's a small gesture, but I think it's an important gesture because you took the time. Because I know those, I mean, uh, for those who are watching, we have a plate right over there on our <laughs> table that, that when I took the, the dish from her, I could still feel the, a little bit of the heat from the cookies coming out of the oven. So it's, you know, it's not like you're spending all kinds of money, but you're spending your time to thank them for their service, which many people have done for you as, in, in your roles as well. So I thought, I thought it was a neat gesture on your behalf. Well, th thank you very much. I, um, you know, the jury trials, I feel, are such a celebration of democracy. Mm -hmm. Around the world, not, there's not a whole lot of countries that have the same kind of rights that we have in America. And so here we are bringing in community members to sort out the facts. That's their job as mm -hmm. a jury, is to take time out of their lives, come in, listen to the witnesses, determine what the facts are, and, and it, it is a tremendous sacrifice for our jurors. Um, so uh, the small uh, token of appreciation, I, I'm absolutely so thankful to get to do that. I, Bob, Adrian, and, and Tad Brenner need to get behind the, get, get uh, to the kitchen and start doing that over here in Adams County as well. Uh, to wrap up, is there any particular accomplishment in your judicial career? I mean, there will be people who are going to, they're going to look at the, at the raw numbers of the number of jury trials, the number of people who uh, uh, have been found guilty in, in cases. Do you have a particular accomplish, accomplishment that you look back and you go, that's really what I wanted to do when I, when I started my career in, 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 the, in, the, in law? When I first took the bench, I started uh, scheduling what I think of in my mind is probation accountability reviews. And that idea came from Judge Reinhard, Judge James Reinhard, who, who is now no longer with us. But he had done that when he was circuit judge back in the 70s. And, of course, they had so many fewer probationers back then. But he had told me that quarterly he would bring in all the probationers and check how they were doing. Um, because, again, they're out in the community conditionally. So we want to make sure they're making good choices mm -hmm. and that they're safe to be there. So I began that immediately when I took the bench, scheduling these probation accountability reviews to, to really check on four main things. Um, treatment, because most of our probationers have a substance use disorder, right. so are they engaged successfully in treatment? Um, if they owe restitution, are they making payments? Um, employment, we know that probationers who have a job where they can see some 
uh, gain some skills and maybe see some opportunity for advancement are going to be much more successful in the community because they have so much to look forward to. Mm -hmm. um, so we check on employment and then GED attainment. Many of our probationers are still working on that. And we do have several partners that we work with on uh, GED classes that have some flexible scheduling for our probationers who are working some overnight shifts or mm -hmm. working throughout the day. So I've, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to do those probation accountability reviews. It's basically treatment court for all the probationers in the Tenth Circuit because they have a lot of um, accountability to make sure that they're meeting their probation conditions. Um, and I've, I feel like there's that's been a good partnership with probation and parole, with our treatment providers, some of our mental health providers, where we can get some fairly regular updates on that. Um. So you're still going to be on the bench for the rest of this calendar year. Mm -hmm. um, you told us at the beginning that I still have a lot of irons in the fire. Um, when do we take one out and let everybody know what we're going to be doing in the, in, in, in the future? <laughs> well, as I said, lots of irons in the fire. Some I can, can talk about, some I cannot. Um, but yes, very, very, uh, very thankful to get to do everything I've been doing mm -hmm. and can I answer that question before with two more answers? Absolutely. Okay? <laughs> this is your this is your thing, so you get to run it. So other than the, uh, I mentioned the probation accountability reviews, doing a lot of pretrial procedures so we're not calling juries unnecessarily. In my sure. entire time on the bench, we have never called in a criminal jury and had the defendant run in and plead guilty while the jury's sitting there, and then we send the jury home. Right. Um, and that's, a again, talk about partnership. That's a partnership with the attorneys. Um, and the court staff where we're really addressing a lot of these pretrial issues ahead of time so that when we call the jury, we need the jury mm -hmm. and we're bringing them in um, for a trial so that they're not, we're not wasting their time. Um, and then the third thing would be guardian ad litem training in our circuit. When I first took the bench, there were some new law, uh, a new law that went into effect about how much training guardians ad litem needed. And for for people who don't understand, sure. guardians ad litem are they they're attorneys who are appointed to represent the best interest of children who have been alleged to have been abused or neglected. So it could be a juvenile case right. where the juvenile office and children's division are involved, or it could be a domestic case like a divorce or a paternity or an order of protection. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, getting the chance to host that guardian ad litem training in-house, in, in circuit, uh, for the past 13 years, and we're getting gearing up for the 14th year right. this year, and really watching our attorneys uh, flourish in their guardian ad litem roles and really aggressively represent the best interests of the children they're appointed to represent, that's been exciting for me to watch. Uh, so when this is all done, at the end of this year, uh, Going back and go run the farm in Maywood? <laughs> I enjoy being on the farm with my family. Uh -huh. And as I put in the, we have plenty of animals on the farm. The boys yeah. enjoy the animals a lot. So now how old are your, are your boys? Uh, they are 10, 8, and 7. So you've got plenty more of things to keep you busy for the next 10 years minimum. <laughs> Day at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking a little bit toward the 4-H fair. They're very excited about 4-H, so that's a big event for us every year. Thank you for taking the time to come over here, and thank you for your service to all of the, the people in Northeast Missouri. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank and you. thank you for tuning in. Uh, you can catch this video and other videos at muddyriver.tv.